India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone this is the 22nd of July 2020 this is Rohit Srivastav here from indiacharts.com taking you through all the market action through my lens so what have we seen we've actually seen two big gap up days on the index and then today while we did open gap up we sold off through rest of the day now a lot of the news items that keep hitting the market sometimes are not so relevant for example you're hearing about uh, us china propping up again and this relates to some consulate being closed down now it's not new we've seen us and china news prop up over and over uh, in the last couple of years you've seen many other also us has you know had taken hits at maybe korea and then so forth so there's so much happening on that front that if you actually try to predict what is going to happen to the market and react to uh, one day news items then you can you know simply end up being reactive rather than thoughtful because these are issues that will keep propping up and have kept propping up many times through both the ups and downs of the market over the last couple of years so they've mattered less unless you think that you know waking up tomorrow morning this is going to lead either to the end of world trade or to another world war and if those are not the two results then you're probably overreacting to that uh, short term news item of course that doesn't mean that there's some kind of deterioration happening between them or what's really going on behind the scenes but uh, it's not yet led to something that magnanimous uh, that would really you know crack markets in a bigger way the real bigger issue has been how do we really get back on track from uh, the pandemic that has slowed down most of the world economy so that's i think the bigger uh, issue that we face and in light of that i think a lot of people are still getting their head around why this market keeps going up so here we are if you purely to look at it on a technical basis uh, the nifty has been rallying since march if i draw a trend line from the bottom of march to the bottom of may uh, that has been working as a good support i think i put out a post a while back uh, on my uh, weekly update page and so and i've put it out on social media as well so very clearly we've got 3 to 4 supports occurring on that trend line the most recent one at 95 70 odd from where we've taken off again to the upside but we've not been moving to the top end of the channel so let's see whether we go that far because uh, that would be really significant what we have done though in the last consolidation when we were at 957 i mean 10570 is that uh, we've ended up uh, consolidating just above the 61.8% retracement mark so 10900 10570 was 6 i mean 550 was 61% and uh, 66% would have been closer to 10700 and so in that range we saw consolidation and then prices broke out to the upside now the next major retracement mark would be around 11400 so that's what i've been eyeing and uh, into the month end i think the maximum call option rating everybody knows is talking about it is at 11500 almost 28 lakh shares or something like that uh, written there so it's a large number and uh, uh, or 2.8 lakhs i'm i'm really maybe messing up the numbers uh, and this week uh, which is tomorrow's expiry had it in 11200 and 300 so probably that's what is causing the near term resistance to happen you also had the spike in the put call ratio that a lot of people have been highlighting to me since yesterday as to whether that's a sign that the market is peaking now i look at a handful of sentiment indicators but sentiment indicators are good warnings only when combined with elliot wave analysis what we have seen is the nifty itself has you know reached late into this move but not 
not at the end yet in my thought because uh, this is a third wave from the bottom that we made in May that's around 9500 where we started to rally and that third wave itself is subdivided into 1, 2, 3, 4 and we're in the fifth of that and the fifth wave itself needs to be a five wave move so I think today's reaction is probably the first and then you get a second wave and then you'll get a third and so on that's my sense of it unless you really break key levels nothing like that happened today I highlighted an intraday support in my morning video to subscribers saying that the you know 20 hour average which was at around uh, 10 uh, 11,100 odd could end up being the support and so that's what we ended up getting intraday we went a little below that but on an hourly basis managed to close above it and bounce back uh, into the close so that support has held now that doesn't mean you can't slip a little more tomorrow but if the low holds then you've got a three wave correction uh, intraday and uh, that can mean that you know this pullback was is done and you continue on the way up higher and then you head to the next important level so one thing is that you are in the fifth of this uh, move the question is that only puts you uh, in a position to start looking at the warning signs that come from indicators uh, like the put call ratio various sentiment indicators uh, but a while back when you were pulling back and consolidating even at the 10,700 mark you went back to 10 570 and so on at that time also you i had my advanced decline ratios uh, actually giving negative divergences and so uh, i did start expecting a possible correction Although eventually I realized that it's going to be mostly in banking and not so much in the other part of the market and that's what ended up being the case. I highlighted the intermarket divergence between Bank Nifty and Nifty as well, both at the high and the low that occurred within those couple of days. And from that low point, once again, we started to rally. So you can get sentiment readings as advance warnings, but not necessarily they are the end of the move. Sometimes they are just giving you a short term correction that lasts for a few days. And sometimes it can be more important in terms of calling a cycle top that can last for a few weeks. And last but not the least, it can end up being an important top on a medium to long term degree. Now, which one it is, is a perspective you have to build based on Elliott Wave analysis itself. But of course, you continue to look at all these pieces because uh, they do help confirming where you are. So if you are in the fifth and you do get extremes in sentiment and multiple, so right now probably PCR is one. But I don't see any of my other indicators highlighting red as yet. So I don't have a combination which often occurs at more important highs. And when you get that, then probably I pay more attention to it. The other thing with PCR is sometimes it can spire, give you a top with a spike. But more often than not, uh, when prices are extending, you end up getting negative divergences. So you can't really jump, uh, jump the gun on one day's reading. For example, in June, we had a reading and I look at market-wide PCR. So it was at 1.35 at the June high. Wherever we yesterday, it was 1.29. It may have come back, come off a little bit today as well. So you haven't even gone above the June high in terms of the raw number. Now, I know some people look at the Nifty PCR and jump on that. But I like to look at market-wide, which includes all the data across uh, the, uh, you know, the entire series, which is index, uh, all index options and uh, stock options as well, gives you a bigger picture of the uh, what the market is really doing of course index plays an important role because it's a large more than 50 percent maybe 70 percent of the entire data might be index but still putting it all together gives you a fairer number and uh, that number is still not above where we were in the month of june so uh, we still need to see a higher high then you might get negative divergences and then it might actually indicate that yes you're in uh, at the end of something at the same time, if it does continue to rise and then I get two, three other indicators spike, uh, then I'll look at that as well. So I think it gives me time into the month end 
uh, and uh, like I said, if you have a lot of writing around 11,500, you have the 78% retracement mark at 11,400 and uh, today's move is probably just a minor wave 2 of the 5th, then we have room to expend, extend into 3, 4 and 5 before this particular move is complete, which itself would only be a third wave. You know, so I'm talking a lot of technical language today and uh, essentially in a larger trend, you'd want it to go up to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So are we really at the end of this move on a medium term basis? Probably not. You can get a top that can be important from a week to week kind of you know period once this move completes. But after that, again, I'll look at whether there's potential for the up move to continue. That's been my base case, I think, all the way since April. Once we started to bounce back that this could get larger and uh, I waited to confirm that but remained on that side of the trade and now after me I think I mostly have written that this is uh, this is my reflation trade and not only that we've kept options open see if you do get volatility because of a second round on the pandemic and so on we kept options open that you whether you're forming a larger triangle and various other pattern possibilities but uh, I've also highlighted that may not necessarily be the case simply because of the kind of monetary and fiscal stimulus that we are seeing around the world. We've just got Europe pass a bill, you know, yesterday, uh, which was one of the reasons why you got the big spike in the euro. And of course, the euro dollar game is a relative game. The US is probably expanding at a far higher pace than Europe. So when you hear Europe's case of, you know, expanding again by some 850 billion euros, you would probably think that, oh, well, that should have crashed the euro. Well, it didn't. What happened to all the euro bears? You know, they've been calling for it to go to zero and I've been seeing the euros bottomed for uh, the last couple of months, uh, giving upside levels uh, on a regular basis for it to move higher. And in other words, that simply means that the dollar is headed lower. And that's been the case. I think the dollar's long term top is done. In fact, what you saw this year in March was essentially a double top in the dollar index. It had reached 104 or close to 104 in the year 2017 or Dece between December and January of 2016-17. And once you did that, you've got the deepest retracement, which is which is where I think I was surprised because I thought if this is a pullback, it should probably peak at 61%. So all of last year, you we are really looking at whether where it will roll over. But eventually, even after it rolled over, it kept trying to attempt moving higher and higher and higher. And I think in the March crash, it almost got to the double top point. But the spot dollar index actually did not go above the high that it made in 2016. And so that's my confirmatory signal that uh, uh, this was a pullback. It just ended up being very, very deep, 90% uh, or more, 99%, uh, you can say, or 98%, whatever, uh, retracement of the decline that we saw in the dollar index. So that depth of that rise and retracement actually makes it look like almost a bull run. But actually speaking, the Elliott wave reading is that the fall in 2017 was a five-wave decline, whereas what we are witnessing right now is a corrective rise from there all the way up. And now after that, we should be starting another impulsive move on the way down. And we are just getting started as we end up hitting the trend line, which comes from the 2011 low, which is at around 94.50. So that's the important trend line that we might end up testing in this move down. Yesterday, after many days, actually, we've been seeing the dollar fall but it was you know what it was doing was really confusing the bulls and bears both because it was one day down one day up one day down one day up and so even though it was trending lower overall the up and down up and down up and down lower highs and lower lows were happening so slowly that it was not really looking like a massive move in fact it would to some extent in between actually started to feel like 
is this the ending pattern in a fifth and you know are you going to get a bounce back from here but eventually yesterday finally we got a big move which extends into a third wave so all those initial moves you know there would be a series of 1 2 1 2 1 2 and then you get a series of 3 4 3 4 3 4 so this is not really going to end very very soon i think the dollar index decline is going to last for a couple of weeks you've got the extension showing that now and that means the 9450 trend line from 2011 breaks in the coming weeks and that should probably be a confirmation sign for a lot of the people who've been sitting on the fence on the dollar view following a belief that you know the dollar is going to go higher and there's too much demand for dollars and overlooking that well if there's so much demand for dollars what the US Fed has been doing is providing as much as is required in terms of liquidity and that's something they started doing way back in September October initially only through the repos but as the demand became global post the pandemic issue they actually ended up using swap lines and providing Uh, you know multiple countries with swap lines on the dollar front and which is why that entire pressure on the dollar has actually gone away and that's something that uh, people have not probably wrapped their head around which is why they don't get that the dollars in a bear market and that's what's happened even to individual currency pairs in fact i think usdnr has been probably the oddest one because it neither participated on the way down when the most currencies most emerging market currencies were actually declining in the panic of march The INR actually did not decline that much. I think it would have gone to 80, which was my view, but it ended up only peaking at 74, 76, I think, and then started facing pressure there. And actually, I should say it, it even moved late. So all the way into Feb, March, it was barely moving out of that trading range uh, where it was stuck at below 72. And then once it did break out, uh, you got a move, but again, it was not as massive as you know what you saw in say the Brazilian real or the Australian dollar. All of them crashed pretty significantly, losing. 20-30% and here we were barely down not even 10% you know so it was pretty unusual and the same is now happening on the opposite side which is that you have a weakening dollar you have most of those currencies with spike going completely in the opposite direction and many of them have gotten stronger by now 20-25% some of them 15% and here you have the INR which is barely down you know not more than single percentage points so there's huge gap i think we are not really playing catch up with uh, uh, any of the indices one thing that we are doing though is we are moving in the direction of the overall trend of the dollar just not with the same pace or volatility that many other currency markets see and some people may think that may be because of the rbi intervening from time to time which is definitely possible but uh, i'm not sure why they would uh, over intervene they should probably allow free markets to move a uh, well traded currency pair uh, could actually be a good thing uh, a lot of currency traders would you know enjoy a currency market that really uh, moves uh, in clear swings which is what it used to do you know when currency markets were opened up in india up till 2013 i think it was really amazing because moment you caught a trend you could ride it all the way up and it was a correction all the way down and it's only after that i think after raguram rajan intervened the first time that we've actually seen volatility collapse as far as the inr is concerned so it could be intentional management of currency volatility but what that has done is made it really painful for currency traders to really make much out of it and that's very similar to the volatility issue we faced in equities as well as uh, although i can say for this year you've actually seen a good expansion in volatility which is clearly visible in the india wix it has remained elevated both through once after the decline and now through the rise i think volatility of equities has at, at least expanded to a much higher level so it remains within the 20s in fact uh, i've posted a chart once earlier showing that even during the bull market once it took off in 2003 4 
the VIX, which used to be closer to 8, 9%, had, you know, gone to a higher range of 18 to 25 or 35. So, it remained in a higher band rather than the lower band. And I think something like that is likely to happen now again is that we will end up in a higher band. I don't know what that band exactly is. So, I'm open to uh, lower levels on the India VIX right now as the market is still going up. But I would find I would don't expect it to go back to these those single digits uh, again. So I think either it could be twenty percent, could be the base, could be fifteen percent, eighteen percent, maybe a good number. So I think somewhere between eighteen and twenty-two, uh, I would look for a base out in the VIX, and probably from there, as and when there are market corrections, there could be spikes. But you'd have a higher volatility range, which is what you'll have to get tuned to. So I would like that. That's good. That means that markets trend, which means if they move up. Then you see several hundred points movement in the Nifty. It's no more that you know you spend an entire month and you've not moved even two percent. That's what used to be the case between 2013 and 2019. And I'm, I mean, I'm a trend player, so I really like higher volatility. I like big trends. You can go up, you can go down, move as much as you want. So then you're able to technically capture it uh, much, much more beautifully, and you know the returns end up being much higher for what is a long short strategy or a managed future strategy something that i used to manage or do through the pms at sharecon for so many years so high volatility is ideal for those kind of products low volatility is not ideal so we did have a tough time when volatility was low because the returns were not running into double digits easily and so i'm actually looking forward to this high volatility regime which is still not there in the inr and let's see what uh, what really causes that to happen what will you know push the inr into having a greater volatility environment, uh, maybe the RBI backing off uh, from day-to-day -day volatility management or some kind of event on the internal or external front. One thing which could happen in a dollar bear market is all of a sudden and unexpectedly something that we are not thinking about is that we end up getting huge currency flows. See, right now because of the fear around earnings, around pandemic and blah, 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 we are not really seeing that happen. We are not seeing big flows. We are actually, you know, seeing very, very trickle down effects of, you know, money coming in as the markets move. In fact, there's more skepticism and that skepticism is clearly visible in the one major indicator, which is the index uh, premium or discount. So the even today, moment you got a correction, you have a 20 to 30 point discount in the nifty futures relative to the nifty cash. This premium discount is actually a reflection of the negative sentiment that has been around. I run a 30 day average and I've posted the chart in my long shot report and to subscribers even recently that the readings are now even lower than where they were at the March bottom which means people are more present even though the day to day readings may not be high because at that time you had gone to almost 80 to 100 points uh, 85 points I think was the peak and in May and in June we have seen 70 points discount in the nifty futures uh, so not more than 80, 80, 85 points but the 30 day average is actually much lower than where it was in March because we are now getting consistently discount readings you know so every and people are saying oh is it dividend is it that uh, if you want to know it's dividend you go back and check where the premium discount was one year ago in June I mean every year in June there's a discount because of dividends and even then the 30 day average doesn't come down this much you know so it usually comes down close to zero or slightly below that five points is what you would have seen in the first case sometimes even you've got a drop from because usually nifty futures are at a premium so even in may of a good year the premium may have been 30 points and then because of june dividends it comes down to 10 points here we are trading at minus 30 so this is higher than usual it's more than you've seen in any other dividend season and even now that season is passed and we are heading into July and now into August, 
the discounts continue to be significant on the smallest dip or rise you see uh, it expanding and contracting and like i said on an on a 30 day average basis this is the lowest reading since 2009 and uh, lower than where we were in march of 2020 so it shows people are extremely pessimistic and that's what the market is doing it's squeezing out those uh, negative views and shorts in the market now, of course you don't in india you don't have pure shorts even though in stock options uh, it is possible for that to happen given that it can be now a delivery based settlement so you can get squeezes at stock levels something we haven't seen in a big way yet uh, but it's something that's possible in the in the new uh, form of uh, exchange environment that said uh, it does reflect sentiment so if people are short in index uh, or in stock futures uh, that short covering does create demand uh, from arbitrages and that then indirectly has an effect on the cash market so there is an indirect effect Uh, which can get uh, priced into some degree uh, but more important than anything else it is a sentiment indicator and this sentiment indicator is completely opposite to the put call ratio which is giving us readings of near term tops but when it comes to a medium term top which you would expect on extreme bullishness and a lot of people think that oh yeah all this retail participation is a sign of extreme bullishness but what the nifty futures is telling us is, is that most people are still bearish on the market and that is what is getting squeezed out and moment the market moves up like it did in the last two days after a long time you actually saw buying by fi's both in the cash and the futures segment so that happens from time to time but as the market slows down they seem to again give up which is where sentiment like i said is not going from extreme bearish to extreme bullish people continue to be concerned and that concern continues to get squeezed out and if we do end up getting a resolution to the current situation we are all in either through a vaccine or something down the line uh, we don't know if that's happening there are different views uh, you keep getting these news and data points in between that work is uh, going fast at the same time you have specialists saying that in the past it has taken more than an x amount of time to develop a vaccine and you can't get it so fast you can take all year round even if you think year end then after that you have to put a production in place at the same time if you're working very fast and you can come up with a solution and the whole world is ready to you know really produce what is needed to get things back on stream things can also happen faster than we expected so that's an uncertain uh, gray zone but uh, as much as that is a gray zone which has upside people are too busy looking at the gray zone which has downside through earnings and gdp something that i feel that everybody knows and is well discounted in the market because it's already known information and that's reflecting in how people are reacting to some of the results so for example if a company has announces a bad result uh, the market goes up saying that it is better than what they expected so this is the game uh, that you have to really understand and that game is what is uh, you know getting people off guard on a day to day basis as markets continue to squeeze even bad earnings results as good earnings results because they've already downgraded and now it looks better than expected last but not the least i'll talk about one of the effects of the falling dollar that is very very uh, clearly visible in the last couple of days uh, and it's not something new that has just started happening and that's the bull run that you're seeing in the precious metal space so you're seeing new highs now in uh, both gold and silver gold is of course making a multi year high and silver is now playing catch up it just went past the 2016 high in the last two days a uh, level that it was not able to get past even when gold did that last year and then when you got that sell off in march silver actually fell to a new uh, multi year low it broke the 2015 low where gold had bottomed at 1050 dollars so you got a massive intermarket divergence between the two precious metals uh, that uh, marked actually the 
low point for silver so i think that's the point at which both gold and silver have done their worst which is in march of this year because of that intermarket divergence the silver made a lower low not confirmed by gold and now eventually after that you are seeing both of them pace simultaneously and what silver is going to be doing now is playing catch up because uh, people who track the gold silver ratio would know that it had gone to almost over 110 maybe near 120 somewhere in that range the highest reading since all the data that we have from you know the 1960s we've never been at this kind of a reading so it was silver being the most over undervalued relative to gold if that has any uh, logical sense at all because of course you can go on to making fundamental arguments as to supply and demand of silver and uh, of course the economic effect and if economic demand is down then what but at the same time the tech sectors where all the demand is and most silver is used in technology and so that's something that is unlikely to go away but even then the price of silver continued to behave negatively along with the rest of the commodity pack which is you had base metals and specifically oil falling uh, to the lowest levels in the march april period and silver itself did that but now it's playing catch up gold has actually crossed the 2012 high of uh, 1800 and it's now heading towards the all time high uh, just above 1900 and as it does that silver is way behind because its 2012 high was closer to 35 dollars and its all time high was uh, even higher maybe 40 42 dollars and if we are really going that first we are talking about catching up with 35 dollars and we are still at 22 so actually 50% away from where gold already has reached and that's a huge catch up to really do if, if that's what silver is really planning so uh, anybody thinking about you know bearishness you'd probably get short term corrections because naturally after a big move you'll probably get extremes in sentiment in the silver market as well uh, there will be near term corrections but the larger trend again there continues to be up so it's a bull market that's going on in the precious metal space uh, that probably started in 2015 for gold and 2020 for silver and now both are probably aligned on the same side of the trade and you need to simply monitor and look at where you get corrections pullbacks but stay on the right side of that trend is the key So that's all in this week's update for you. Stay tuned to all the backup updates coming on a daily basis, both online social media and on the India Charts Insiders Club. If you are part of that, great. If you are not, consider joining in. Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.